In the past, I'm going to say five years, I've been seeing this trend for a while and obviously it's become more than a trend and that was plant-based eating. Come across celebrities who talk about it, athletes who talk about it, doctors who talk about it, really our everyday Joe that we come across on the friends, family that talk about it. And I remember my wife and I gave an attempt to uh, try to go plant-based after watching some documentaries on Netflix that really made an impact on how we're seeing uh, animal products being produced and how what they're used for and it just it really gave us a little inspiration for ourselves so we did attempt it for a little while and it didn't go as well as we wanted to in in regards to commitment but we did feel an energy we felt an energy that we haven't felt in a while and it was unbelievable that we weren't really eating any uh, protein such as meats, fish, and chicken, and so forth. And it's it's really when you think about it, um, it makes it gives you a different vibe that I thought that it would never happen. What you hear people talk about it. So you know, learning uh, new things on social media, I came across this really really young, energetic, inspirational individual named Tom Simic. He is a vegan athlete, activist, and host of the Plant Paradigm podcast. He's all the way from Australia, uh, space to dive deep and interview leaders in nutrition, science, uh, climate change, uh, and about how we can create a green future. Tom's been following a plant-based diet for six years and has completed the David Goggins 4x4 48 challenge, which I know is a huge challenge. My cousin Paulo did it. You're basically running four miles every four hours for 48 hours, run multiple half marathons, and is currently training for a marathon. Uh, this, this podcast here was really inspirational, especially the fact that when he started speaking about running barefoot, Sit back, enjoy this episode eight of our uh, Watermelon Sandwich podcast with Tom Simek. Uh, it is something you are going to really enjoy and be inspired. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Watermelon Sandwich podcast with your host, Michael Gallo where we'll be digging deep into people's lives and find out their inner soul that helps them push forward in life. The Watermelon Sandwich is about simplicity, simple mindset, simple life, and simple soul. Thanks for listening in, and we look forward to connecting to our listeners in every way possible. Today's episode is brought to you by Camel's Cross Farms. If you are seeking to connect to nature, experience an everlasting field of sunflowers, or get a taste of their organic farm-to-table experiences, this is the farm you need to visit. Camel's Cross Farm is not your regular farm. It's a wellness farm. It has meditation, yoga, forest bathing, and physical fitness, and including wellness events. Their goal is for people to reconnect with themselves and who they are through connecting through nature. 
check them out at www.camelscrossfarms.com or visit their Instagram at camelscrossfarm to keep updates on their upcoming events. And don't forget to ask for the watermelon sandwich. All right, so uh, thanks. We have Tom Simic today from all the way from the Gold Coast, Australia. How's it going, Tom? So, so splendid. How are you going? Good, good, good. You know, I'm actually excited because I just came across you on social media, to be honest. Uh, we don't know each other personally. <laughs> uh, and I started following you through uh, the Plant Paradigm, and then I started following you through your own personal social media page. Uh, a lot had to do with exactly what you talk about in your bio. It was about uh, being a vegan athlete um, and also about, you know, you challenging your life to become stronger, but you're about climate change and you're about having create a green future, which you spoke about it. And uh, I'm glad you're on the show. No, I'm really really honored to be on here. And I know, you know, I'm always excited to connect with people through social media, to be honest, because even though it's a place where you can have and engrave a lot of facades, when you start meeting that person, you can already tell from the get-go that you share a lot of values. And that's like the greatest icebreaker of all time. Yeah, of course. And then that's when you connect and then you see that you're related and you like certain posts that they do but there's there's a it's crazy they always say what is it they say it's uh six degrees of separation i'm gonna say in the 21st century or we're in yeah. today it's like it's like two degrees <laughs> three degrees of separation oh, for sure and that's like so cool because you can get like and that's kind of really nice to think as well because in an age of information and where you can get such easy access to like the greatest minds of the 21st century in such a easier way than what you could have 10 or even 20 years ago, which is actually really, really impressive and super grateful for that. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. And so, you know, I want to dig great deep into it. So, you know, no one in our audience will know. Um, I know uh, a bit about you and uh, I'm excited to see, you know, when people think Tom Simak, uh, is that pronounced right? Simak? Simak? Yeah, yeah, you got it. Simak is usually the Aussie, Aussie way. Is of Simak it. is the Aussie way? <laughs> so. Yeah, so it's all the same though. <laughs> so when people think that name in the Gold Coast, what do they say? What, what is, what, who, who are you? Is a question I want to know. Look, I'm just a passionate conversation facilitator. That is my go-to title, like beyond being, you know, an athlete and someone who's passionate about living a zero waste lifestyle and maybe living in a way that really complements the way that we should be living and a way that's sustainable from everything, from the way we exercise, from the way we talk and meet people, from even the way we eat, all of that encompasses this whole modality of sustainability and i guess when when people describe me it's that kind of this person just encompasses all things sustainability and he just facilitates good conversation and that's what i love doing and it doesn't matter like i said it doesn't matter what field you could be talking about plants or books um but just being centered around this whole term of sustainability i think is um the way that i 
approach every part of my life. Right. And you know what? I love that. You said sustainability. I've never heard anyone really come with the approach to sustainability of your entire life. I believe I've heard people becoming, being sustainable in certain areas of their life or sustainable in what they do. Um, but sustainable. So when you say zero waste, uh, what do you mean by that? Like, how do you, what do you mean by zero waste? So zero waste essentially is a term that I guess we can put a definition to, but at the same time, it's a little bit subjective because it always, when we always talk sustainability or zero waste or any of these terminologies that are similar, it's always, you know, doing the best that you know how and consistently educating yourself, but on a physical term on how that looks like in your day-to-day life, that could be something as simple as, you know, let's be honest, 2021 plastic straws, they shouldn't really be a thing. So it means carrying around a metal straw. It means taking around a tote bag when you go to the farmer's market. It means when you're purchasing your fruit and veggies, don't put a plastic bag around it. It just means using as little resources as possible. And the reason that it's important is because we have this really weird relationship with resources. And a lot of people seem to think it's infinite and I, a lot of things are infinite, but resources are definitely not. Yeah. And so when it comes to zero waste, we can, you know, look at any industry and that could be, for example, another weird one is I know a lot of people love buying paperback books. That's fine. I like paperback. Sometimes I've recently gone to Kindle just so I don't need to keep purchasing and uh, adding to the paper supply demand. However, if I have a paperback book, which I have plenty when I read it, I'll simply donate it or give it to someone else or put a tweet out or Instagram story into the world. Hey, who wants this book? Just pay for shipping. I'll send it to you. And that way you don't need to buy a new one. So it's just reduce, recycle. And the best part about it and the really exciting part about it is that you can literally bring that to any part of your life. One really good example is Facebook Marketplace. Like the amount of times you can get something not only better for your wallet, but better for the environment is if someone's moving house and they have to get rid of plants, yeah. put it on Facebook marketplace. Hey, five bucks, have this plant, What you'd normally pay 25, maybe 30 bucks for, but then you're reducing the waste that this plant would have created. And then you're taking that and you're just basically having, I guess, a form of a circular economy. Yeah. And I love that because, you know, I just spoke to someone about this and they were speaking about you know, if we lived in a community where, you know, how it was a long time ago, where you're bartering things, you're sharing things, um, where the old term and where I come from, it's more where the, you know, the farmer, the mechanic can help the farmer and the farmer can help the mechanic and, and, and so far goes around the community and really you're helping each other in a full circle in an environment where, you know, you're creating sustainability you're using each other's resources, but you're not, you know, resources do eventually a collapse. You know, they end up, you know, we think you said there were, you, our resources you think are infinite, but they're not, you know, that plastic bag that you're using, whatever it is, you know, and, and one thing that I found that was what I'm really interested in, and I keep trying, I do the every Monday try attempt to, you know, go plant-based uh and go vegan you know i've read books and books i was just reading uh 
Darren Olean. Do you know who Darren Olean is? Yeah. I mean, you have Darren to, Olean, you would yeah. have to know Darren Olean. Yeah, of <laughs> um, course. Uh, you know, I read his book. Um, super food. And, yeah. Uh, super life. Super life super is life. the one I read. Yeah. And I read that one and you know, you know, the answers, you know, when you do it, you know, when you eat well, and I, I eat, I have to say I eat really well, wholesome. We grow our own vegetables here. Um, for the season that we have, uh, all organically, I guess not certified organic, but or- organically grown, we'll call it. I don't mm-hmm. know how the certification is in your end of the uh, pond, but, uh, I know that these are simple answers and like, it says you've been vegan for six years, mm-hmm. right? So at one time in your life, you weren't vegan. <laughs> of course, as yeah. most people, you know, walking this planet, no one comes out of the womb vegan because yeah. it wasn't really a thing you know 20 30 years ago so how did you do it what made you change what point of your life what what was your turning point what would happen yeah well like most people i'm from slovakia so and breakfast lunch dinner it was kind of just like chevapi goulash <laughs> these meat centric dishes and that was just my life it was just what you grow up with you don't you don't think about things. You're like, this tastes good. So I'm just going to continue eating it. And that's awesome. And that was fine up until a point where I just kept getting tagged and stuff. And, you know, at the time, Patrick Baboumian, this uh, German strong weightlifter happened to be the strongest man in the world, five years running. And he'd been vegan for 20 years. Wow. And I just gotten into body lifting and weightlifting and stuff like that. And I'm like, Oh, I kept getting tagged in his stuff. I'll give it a crack for 30 days. Just go vegetarian. I'm like vegan. I probably, you know, maybe wouldn't, I was 19 at the time. So I just went vegetarian. I'm like, it's, it's okay. I mean, eggs, you know, egg whites, and I'm still doing the bodybuilding things. And then I, I watched Cowspiracy. Um, the, oh, the, that's a, that's a hard yeah, one to watch. The one with Leo DiCaprio, Leo DiCaprio uh, directed yeah. it. And yeah, it just talked about sustainability and how much water it takes to you, how much water beef production takes and things like that. And I didn't really double check the science because I thought these docos are pretty well written. You know, now looking back six years ago, I have double checked a lot of the science and most of it does check out and look, some admittedly is a little bit exaggerated. Yeah. Um, and I guess after that, I was just vegetarian for about six months and then I made the decision to accidentally... I guess, watch this another documentary called Earthlings. And Earthlings, that, which I never heard of that one. Yeah, it's a bit of an older one. It kind of looks at animal use across all industries. So it doesn't, uh, I guess, discriminate between just the ones that are generally consumed in societal norm. It looks at like anim, uh, dog, like the Yulin Dog Festival, where they uh, peel the dogs alive and they eat the dogs and a bit yeah. of like voodoo magic stuff where they uh, sacrifice live animals and uh, dolphin trade, shark fin trade, and then it went into the animal agriculture industry as well. And I guess ethically, that kind of strung a bit of a chord for me. And so I originally made the switch for an ethical reason. Yeah. And now, you know, retrospectively, I'd probably, I'm a bit more whole foods now just because of the health aspect of things. Cause I'll, I'll set the, set the bar straight. If, if you eat a vegan diet, I promise you, you can be unhealthy. Because hundred percent, hundred percent. Because you know you've got those Beyond Burgers and Impossible Meats. Like the sodium level is through the roof. You're not yeah. doing your body 
much favor. But if you're doing that for ethical reasons or environmental reasons, you don't really care too much. So I think it's important to look at like the three pillars. And when we talked about sustainability at the beginning, it's like sustainability relates to everything. And if, if you're vegan for sustainability of the planet and you're eating crappy foods, you're going to make like, is that really sustainable for your body? And yeah. so that's kind of how my thoughts have evolved over the years and how the conversations I've had evolved over the course of the years as well, because sustainability just takes so many aspects of your life. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of like my journey over the past few years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So now you've transitioned and now you're fully in and Whole Foods is a good point. You make a good point about, you know, it's, you know, people can, you can be an unhealthy vegan, you can be an unhealthy vegetarian. And uh, a lot of people write about it, especially now, it, especially with the society we live in today, especially the, I guess we want to say the corporate corporate world, uh, they'll jump onto that trend, we'll call it. And it could be, for example, plant-based. All of a sudden, your fast food chains have plant-based, grass-fed beef, everything you could think under the sun on every word they can use, they'll put it in there, mm. but, and they'll try to take you in and you feel mentally, you feel like, Oh, this is okay. I can eat this, whatever. But really it's just, uh, and one of the things of our podcast is that it's, it's about simplicity. It's a simple answer of eating whole foods, eat well and exercise. And one of the things, you know, that I find that you make a point of that you're a vegan athlete and what kind of athlete are we looking at here? Are we, uh, you know, I obviously you love to run and we'll get into the Goggins because I'm, <laughs> I'm a huge Goggins fan, but and I, awesome. have a cousin, I have a cousin Paulo that did the uh, four by four forty eight too. So let's talk about your athleticism. What, what kind of athlete are you? What's the history behind it? Have you been doing it your whole life? Yeah. So I'm a, I, I am a runner. Um, I'm probably looking to get into Ironman's either later this year or start this year or, or like triathlon style. So that's like your bike, yeah. swim, run. Yep. And at the moment it's, it's purely running. So I am, I guess a minimalist shoe runner or barefoot runner. So a lot of my running will be barefoot. Yeah. I see your face. What? Uh, Are you serious? I'm serious. I'll, I'll do runs barefoot or at least with minimalist shoes. And I would run 10, 15, 20 Ks completely barefoot. Wait, wait a minute. Let's stop, stop here. You're barefoot. Are you barefoot yes. in the sand on the Gold Coast? No, pavement. Get out of here. I'm serious. Are you serious? Yeah, let, me, is, let me expand. That all is right. awesome because I'm big. Why I'm, I'm excited, first of all, is because I'm big into grounding. Yes. Uh, awesome. And, it, and it, it's so important. Like we, I don't live off the Gold Coast for sure. I live in uh, near Toronto, Canada, but in the country um the outskirts and uh we have a forest here that we'll walk we'll barefoot walk into it awesome but you're running bare expand just talk about it <laughs> uh, so look i first heard about barefoot running on a conversation between rich roll and tony riddle which is natural lifestyles and this guy is insane with barefoot running and you heard me th this is you heard me say I run 20, 10, 15, 20 kilometers barefoot. The first I heard of barefoot running was Tony Riddle running 30 miles for 30 days from the bottom of uh, the UK to the top, completely barefoot. That's just, that's 50 kilometers a day for 30 days. And I'm thinking this guy's in completely barefoot. 
and he's fine. Yeah, of course. Um, and so I'm like, man, there's got to be something to it. And then, you know, over the, over the years, this was only maybe two years ago, I, I first heard of this. I kind of looked at the studies like this doesn't really make sense. Why do we have such big, uh, you know, shoes and then this minimalist running? Like, what's that even about? And so essentially, because I've got flat feet and that kind of turns into shin splints and I had a very bad ITB inflammation because I was, you know, getting up at six o'clock in the morning, going for a run, not stretching, not running with proper form. And it got to a point where I couldn't walk without immense pain. So I had to be bedridden for a few days or even maybe two weeks. I've forgotten. And it got so bad. I'm like, why is this a problem? And I know so many people in terms of the running community, go ask a runner, tell, they'll tell you how much pain they're in all the time. And I'm like, yeah. why? Why is it that you try to do so much good for your body in terms of health, but your body turns around and be like, nah, I'm going to give you pain. It's like, what are we doing wrong? You pay 200 bucks for a good pair of shoes, but you still have pain. What, what's the problem here? Yeah. And so I heard this philosophy really early on. It kind of really depends on the forms. And when you think about it, if you're in an accident or you have a pretty intense injury and you might have a neck brace, let's, let's say you got your neck injured, you got a brace on for two months. What happens inside your neck muscles while you got that injury is they atrophy. And so part of your rehabilitation process is you have to slowly start strengthening your neck muscles. And you'll be working with a lot of um, podiatrists and sports physiologists trying to redo those muscles. Same with your broken arm. You'll lose a lot of muscle if you break your arm and you're not moving it. You need to rehabilitate that slowly to get those muscles back. But never does the doctor say, hey, you've broken this arm. It's healable, but it's going to be in the cast for the rest of the life. Now, let's look at shoes, for example. If you look at flat feet, which I've had since... I was a kid, shin splints, much the same, very correlated. Mm -hmm. You go to an orthopedic doctor and they'll give you the orthopedic sole. You pay thousand bucks up for it or whatever it is these days. And you've got to wear that stinky thing for the rest of your life. And so what happens in these muscles is they slowly start to atrophy because you don't use it. There's 11 muscles in your foot that we don't use. And so they conducted, Harvard actually conducted a really interesting study where they took 2000 people, 1000 people, on a workout that is with conventional shoes and another 1000 that is barefoot shoes or minimalist shoes, or some of them did completely barefoot workouts. And when they had a look at the scans at the end, they found that people with the shoes, conventional shoes, they had one of two results. One, the muscle stayed the same in their foot or they slightly atrophied, very minuscule amount. But over the years, it adds up. This is a 12 week period, by the way. Wow. So they noticed a bit of change even in 12 weeks in the group of a thousand with either barefoot shoes or bare feet actually had their muscles in their feet strengthen. And so we're not using these intricate muscles in our feet for balance that we were designed to use. Even if you look at the Olympics, you don't have to go that far back 50 years. What were these runners wearing? Sandals. Yeah. Like these people. And what were they not getting? Injuries. And I think, you know, what comes well down to your philosophy is it's just simple. Like it's not super complicated and I don't suggest for one second, everyone's got to go outside and go barefoot all the time. I have shoes that aren't barefoot. I only run in either barefoot shoes or completely barefoot, but I understand some athletes like Rich Roll might run half barefoot shoes in his Vivos and half conventional shoes because even athletes have 
like professional athletes, if you're a sprinter, you don't even need conventional shoes because you're purely using the forefront and the, the flat part of your, your foot. So the biomechanics is your body is just always leaning forward. So you yeah, go, it does. exactly. And if you're uh, maybe a long distance runner and you're heel striking, the only issue with that is biomechanically, if you're heel striking, a lot of the pressure actually falls on your knee. And that's why 85% to 95% of all runners experience knee pain and or have to have surgery every single year. Oh, wow. And then that's my long winded answer. (laughs) No, but that's, you got me, you know, I listen to ritual all the time. I've never listened to the Tony Riddle one um, yet, which I'm going to. Um, And what are minimalist shoes? Like, you know, I, I've been looking into this. I actually have a friend and he's been looking into this and to the point that he wanted to create his own shoe. Um, Are there a lot of these minimalist shoes out there or? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, you know, there's a few main companies that will hit it. Essentially a minimalist shoe is a shoe that purely covers your foot. So you've on your toe section, they just expand a lot. Like they're not quite drilled in like normal shoes are. Yeah. And so if you, if you even try running for a hundred meters, I couldn't even run a hundred. Like I, I could run 10, 15, 20 Ks easily. When I went barefoot shoes, I couldn't even run hundred meters because really? the you use your soleus and your Achilles and your gastrocnemius, essentially your, your calf and where your Achilles heel is, you use that so intensely. You'll have so much pain. Yeah. You'll do a one K run, even if you're a very good runner and you'll have immense pain the next day because you're using these muscles that you would that, otherwise not use. Yeah. That you have never used. And this, and so you said Vivo shoes is yeah. one of them. So, I use, I use Vivo barefoot purely because they have a range that is quite sustainable. So they make some of their shoes out of algae and some of the other shoes are purely made from plastic they've collected from the ocean. So they're just plastic bottle shoes. So I use them. Um, of course, you've got like the Vibrams. They're those really funky shoes that have like the five fingers that those really like toe, toe shoes that look funky. Yeah, yeah, I've seen like, those, yeah. You got Zeros, which is X-E-R-O. Um, yeah, there's, there's a bunch, even Nike have one of them. I forgot what it's called, but it's, it's like a third of an inch. Like it's a very small support, but generally a full minimalist shoe has zero support. So it's just you on the ground. Oh, wow. I had no idea. And you know, this is, this is good. It's really good. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't realize that you were running barefoot, um, this whole time, um, or with minimalist shoes and, so you decide to step into the Goggins. First of all, you obviously either read Goggins' book or you've been following or whatever you do because you grab his book. Have you read his book? Yeah, I read his book in like a week. Such an, a life-changing uh, book. His story is absolutely incredible. I'm sure you, you've read it as well. I've read the book from his family, how he's brought up uh, yeah, to everything. So crazy. And my cousin Paulo, who's a, who's a big athlete, and he, he, he gave it to me. He's like, here, I'll let you borrow the book. I still have it, actually. What a beautiful gift. Yeah. And I, I could not put it down. I could not get over the fact that this guy is just, he's done everything. And he's pushed himself to limits that I've never even seen anyone push your limits to. Like, he's not only did he get to the top, but he was one of the best at what he did. And he kept pushing himself. And it's like getting to that mindset of where you're always challenging yourself, you're pushing yourself and you're not really accepting 
that you made it to the top. You're just, you're just keeping going. Cause that's how you had to live your life. And I kind of could see that in you and that's what you're trying to do. First of all, how was the challenge and how did you get through it and how did it work? That's awesome. Yeah, I totally agree. I think in all, all aspects of life, you know, it's you against you and you know, it's a, it's a uphill battle real fast. If you're trying to compete against other people in a way oh, yeah. that you're comparing yourself in a very negative light. So I think, you know, that's not very sustainable for longevity, especially when it comes to your own mental health as well. Yeah, of course. But in terms of the David Goggins challenge, so this is essentially, if people don't know, you run four miles, which is six and a half Ks every four hours for 48 hours. And so for me, uh, in my time zone, because it was, it was a worldwide event and everyone went at the same time, regardless of what time it happened to be. So uh, for me, it was 3 p.m., 7 p.m., 11 p.m., 3 a.m., 7 a.m., 11 a.m., and then repeat one more time. And, um, I had essentially, it turns out to be 48 miles in the end or 70, 76 kilometers. So I, I went into it, what I knew I could complete it because after reading the book, you just think, you know, mind over matter. I've never run 78, 76 kilometers before in my life. But if you can think about it and you just, you know, you just do one leg at a time, just do one leg at a time, just keep going. <laughs> And I had a bit of a strategy in place in which I planned to run. And I just did laps of an oval, just a soccer field. Yeah. So just to make it nice and easy. So I ended up doing about 80, 87 laps of that oval. And so essentially I built it in a way that I would run two kilometers. It's, I tried to stay as much as zone two as possible, which is about, you know, 60, 70% of your max heart rate. Mm -hmm. So I could run for longevity and then I'd walk about 300 meters in like a nice, pretty good pace and then run again, two Ks, walk 300 meters and then run the rest and then just walk the last hundred meters because the way you had to do it is you had to warm up for 15 minutes because the last thing you could, you, the worst thing to happen was in insane leg pain. You couldn't get leg pain. No way you could get leg soreness. Like imagine working out legs and then. Yeah going and doing that it'd be so much harder so the, the stress and a lot of the time I gave myself was actually stretching and cooling down so you know I'd stretch and warm up for about 15 minutes prior smash it out and it was a bit hard at the beginning to not go really fast because you just trained like let's just get this smack done but I of had course. to make sure you know to to run walk run walk because you know it's it's long long term yeah and every time I got back just cool down 15 minutes maybe have a meal. Those first few times I had a meal. Um, and then the game plan was to have a smoothie before each one and a light snack or meal after. But, you know, as soon as it got to like 11 PM, you know, your body's not trained to eat at that hour. So I ended up running the 11 PM, 3 AM and 7 AM legs without eating at all, because I'm like, I'm just not hungry. And so you just keep going and, you know, it got a little bit hard. Like obviously after you get back from your 11 PM run, it's, you know, maybe 1230 or 12 o'clock, you got to cool down and then you might have an hour and a half of sleep. Yeah. And then you've kind of got to get up, run the next leg, but you've got to have enough time to warm up because it's cold, you know, it's cold out. It's fully dark. So you got to run with like a torch and you just got to be very careful as well to not run out of energy. So I was, I, I drank maybe half water and half coconut water just to make sure I could keep my calories up. Yeah. Um, and that, that kept me feeling fresh. And so the 7am one was probably pretty hard because again, you're now running, you've run 
20 Ks, 26 Ks or so, and you've had very minimal sleep. So getting up for that one again, pretty hard, but it was okay. Goggins went live before each event, just for like a minute, like, let's get it done. Let's go. And so that kind of helped you G up, but eventually I'm like, I, I might be relying on him too much. So a few times he didn't join. I'm like, this is perfect. I just want to go out there. And so for that 11 PM and 3 AM run, when no one was outside, I made, I'm like, without music, I'm just, you know, going in complete darkness. And it was that really beautiful serendipity that makes you fall in love with running, you know, running yeah. without music, just appreciating the surroundings, which was really, really fun. And, you know, it, it was, it, it's a hard challenge and I plan on doing it again. Uh, next, next time it comes around and I plan on beating my time by at least, you know, 20% is the goal, but yeah. it was only really hard that last maybe 7am run when you're about, I was maybe about 60 Ks in yeah. and, you know, I wake up and just my whole body is on the bed and yeah. I just, I can't move. I'm like, it's, I've got lead feet. Like my body is <laughs> aching. It's not even my legs. It's my whole body is just, Done. saying tom what the hell are you doing bro <laughs> yeah and you know but i i coined a little bit of a saying that i've now kept throughout my training now for this uh marathon i'm doing next month and then for the triathlons before and you know every time my, my partner helped so much with helping prepare food um when i got back just so i'd have some pasta or i'd shove just some food inside of me she went to shops just so i could have more up and goes which is just like mm -hmm. a, a little liquid liquid drink with like a bit of fiber, a bit of protein, something, because you can't stomach, you, you get sick of eating. Yeah. Um, and so she helped out a lot, but yeah, eventually I just kind of saying, I just, I got it done. Like she, when she asked, how was it? Like, I just, I just got it done. Like yeah. don't even, it wasn't great. It wasn't bad, but I'm here. I got it done. And there was no excuses because I feel mentally, you know, you come to a point when you're doing something like that and any big event that's more than 24 hours. So if you're running even a marathon that could take four or five hours or this ultra that's over the course of 48 hours, you're going to have times where you're like, what the F am I doing here? Yeah. I could be at home working, relaxing, Netflixing, anything else. Um, but I'm doing this. So I came in knowing that I would get to that point. And so that saying came at the perfect time where I would just get it done. And when I finished it, you know, I sprinted at the end and I was just so stoked to have done it. And that's got to be the longest or probably the hardest challenge I've had to go through. But then, you know, you get that kind of energy afterwards. And our, the day after it, I did a massive leg workout feeling totally fine. Um, you know, but going, if someone wanted to do David Gogger's challenge, I'd just say, be careful with your meals <laughs> and yeah. uh, stretching. And you know what? I, I love your energy. And, uh, I, I know my cousin, the same thing. It's just, just at the end, you're just like, just get it done. Just get through it. And uh, of course, I guess your body's not used to eating at a certain time and you're just not hungry or you're not craving food, but you're just want to keep pushing forward. And, and, you know, of course your body's going to get a, a beating uh, and you're going to, you're going to feel like you can't move for sure, but you got to get up and go. And I, I got to congratulate you on that. That's awesome that you did that. Um, you're, you're, you're motivating me to do it. So yeah, let's do it. I'll keep you accountable. That's it. I good. You need an accountability partner. So, you know, the cool thing is that, you know, I always like to see like, what, what was your tick? Like, what was your thing that got you inspired to, you know, change your life? Have you had challenges in your life that really maybe would have, uh, you know, in your life that you had challenges of any kind of 
mentally, physically that you had to make a change or you, you know, everyone has that little, you know, that switch that goes off in their life. What was your switch that I can ask? Um, it's got to be gratitude, um, which is really, I'm going to take a really weird spin on this. And, you know, I'm curious to know what your, your take is as well. You know, when you read Goggins and the book is structured in a way that he gives you tasks and challenges to complete. And one of the challenges was to write down, you know, what are you most proud of? And, you know, I think inherently as humans, we're quite hard on ourselves mm-hmm. and looking back retrospectively, I have a lot of things to be proud of, but I had a lot more things that I could say I'm not proud of and probably a lot of loose ends. So I think I'm a, we're both probably, I mean, I don't know you too well, but I I could assume we're pretty privileged in a lot of our life in the way that we're living, especially compared to what an average person would be living like a hundred years ago. And I think the way we challenge ourselves you know, we don't have to challenge ourselves. You could survive your whole life, live a pretty good life without really challenging yourself too much. And so it's my fear of complacency um, and of not ticking that box and of making sure that I'm always doing something new to grow because it was more a mental challenge than it was a physical challenge. And so I think, you know, long story short, it's just that fear of complacency and having something to put as now I can comfortably say that four by four, by 48 is probably the best thing I've ever done or the the, the proudest monumental achievement in terms of the physical iteration of it. And Mm -hmm. so it it was that having something to look to and having something physical that you could work towards and have completed. That's what drove me. Yeah. And then you're, and you're right. The idea of the opportunity that you can do it, the opportunity you have this chance to do it and, you know, being you know showing gratitude towards these things and uh i'm a big big uh, fan of gratitude uh not like it's like my it's an announced thing that i do but uh i think for myself at a young age i uh picked it up uh through my brother and i've been uh you know i have journals everywhere around my house that i write gratitude even if it's three things five things i write down just still now Still now, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Still now, yeah, yeah. Since the age of, I'm gonna say around the age of 20. Since the age, how do you of think that's how do you think that's affected you in the way that you go about your life now? Oh, it's it's everything. Um, it's part of my routine. It's part of who I am. It 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 brings you an energy that I can't explain unless you do it but it brings you an energy of uh you know becoming more humbled uh grounded uh really gives you an inner energy of good vibrations that you have all these great things with you already and um it just shows you how strong and mentally you how strong your mind is and how it can really persuade your whole day um and uh and a big, I'm a big visionary person too. So I use a lot of vision boards and everything that I've I love that. used for years. And I, I have to say that there is another energy out there that will help you uh, get to where you want to get to in at any capacity that you can imagine. Um, but it's patience um, that I've learned and being present is another one I learned. That's what gratitude has done for me. 
because you have to be present to be thankful. Right. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is a, it is a good way. And what are your thoughts? Do you, do you have any certain practices that you do every day that help you achieve your day or take the day by, you know, as best as you can or what any practice you do every day, routines or anything you do? Absolutely. I've, I've heaps. I'm a very systematized person and that's how I like to get things done. Um, I live by the calendar and a to-do list. Um, it's all digital for me, but that's kind of the way I do things and it's how I've structured my life. And I've read a lot of productivity books. I guess a big one that comes to mind is Atomic Habits by James Clear. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things that I've tried to do and incorporate and I've journaled when I'm feeling really good. I think something that's really cool and I, I love to look back on retrospectively, but when I feel amazing about life, I journal why I'm feeling amazing. What have I done recently? And so when I look back, cause you're going to have slopes in your life. So I, 100%. I think journaling and even vlogging, like a quick video, some photos. I think that's a really cool habit. I guess I have, but every morning um, when I get up, me and my partner list three things that we're grateful for each um, and it's, it's nice doing it over the long term because eventually you're going to have to get quite specific and there's nothing wrong with repeating. You could say the same thing every morning, but to keep it exciting, try and do new things. And then <clears throat> she usually instigates because I usually forget, but it's usually, you know, what are you excited for? And I love doing this in the morning because it really sets the tone for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, if you start with gratitude, like like what you're talking about before, I, I think a saying that comes to my mind when you were saying how gratitude's affected you is you can't be angry and grateful at the same time. It, it won't just, happen. It won't happen. And I think saying that in the morning really helps. I don't touch my phone uh, for an hour after I wake up. Uh, what I do is I, I read for 30 minutes and I stretch for 20 minutes. And usually the gratitude talk in the morning takes about 10 minutes. So that's that's always my morning. Um, I find stretching super important as well, especially if you're someone who likes to work out, uh, you can't do that sustainably in the long term. Like if you don't stretch, you'll be a great athlete for six months, a year, maybe two years. But if you want to be a good athlete and a healthy, vital person mm-hmm. for 50, 60, 70 years, stretching has to be a I believe a huge part of your routine. So I'll do at least 20 minutes a day. Um, if I'm not adding things like yoga, which I've been really slack on. Um, I don't meditate per se. I used to meditate every day for a year. Now I just, I've taken the lessons from that and I just do every now and again, I just stop and I just breathe. And I just, I just feel the chair I'm in or I look at the person I'm talking to. And that's kind of my little routines that I've picked up. Like every, every day I'm moving the body every day I'm exercising in different ways. Like if I'm doing stuff on social media um, or doing some work that I can do on my phone, I'll always hop on the indoor bike. Um, That way I can make sure I'm always hitting two hours of movement a day. That's kind of a non-negotiable. I have to be moving for 120 minutes, especially because, you know, nowadays we're sitting down on our butts all the time. Yeah. And that those, those are probably my main habits that I guess protrude to, I guess my personal happiness and that what I've designed over the course of maybe two to three years that has really gotten me to a point where I can say I've, I'm so proud of where I am and I love the people around me. And that's a hard thing to do. Oh yeah. hundred uh, uh, percent. Do you have any 
things that you do in your day that you think sets you up for success? Uh, yeah, you know, it's very similar, very similar in your in your case is just, you know, even meditation. I, I, I do it often. Uh, I don't do it in the case of like, you know, for 30 minutes for an hour. It's really just simple. Just being in the moment, breathing slowly. I do practice Wim Hof. Um, yes, do take I do take cold showers. Um, yes. I've done the cold baths. I every morning. I am taking a cold shower. Um, I love and- that. I'm so impressed too. That's hard. Like that's really hard when you're standing there in the <laughs> shower and your hands on like the nozzle, you're like, why do I hate myself? <laughs> yeah. But I have to say I've gotten so used to it in the last few years. I've been uh, taking cold showers and I've gotten so used to the fact that I actually prefer the cold shower. Um, but at night I will take a warm shower or warm bath, uh, mostly warm showers, but, uh, similar to yourself, you know, read in the morning, uh, read in the night. And unless it's like an evening, like tonight, which I did because of the time change, (laughs) but other than that, it's, it's similar, you know, being active every day, moving. I don't have a restricted time, but I have to move all the time because yeah, sitting can be part of the jobs and stuff you do during the day, whether you're driving or whatever you have to do, but uh, always pushing yourselves and making sure uh, my circle is similar. Um, I think your circle and your surroundings um, will naturally come to you because the same energy, like you were talking about social media, how it's connected to similar people. It's in, it's all in the same way you know um i have similar friends and similar habits they all have and we all learn from each other and we all piggyback off each other of what we're doing and you have your down times and your down days that when you see that person it automatically makes you forget about that down day that you had because they're bringing a whole different energy to you that you needed that day right and they don't they don't even know you had a down day so you that's your environment's important but basically in the morning it's it's wake up uh, journal, read, uh, meditate in some way, be active in some way in the morning. The one thing I do have to do more of, and I know I do, and you said it is stretching. I don't stretch enough. I, you know, I'm, I'm very staggered with it. Like, I'll be, okay, I'm going to, I'm in a stretching mood. I'm going to stretch. I know it's good for me. I do have to work on that. That's for sure. Uh, but other than that, that's, that's my routine. It's similar to yourself. Um, get you going your day. And you know that a lot of people practice it and a lot of people do it. So yeah, that's, that's the intention about what you what we're trying to do there. So I love, I love that what you do, to be honest, I love all that. All, I, I could have another podcast with you, to be honest. I think you have a, a wealth of information that I think people are going to love to hear this. I think we're really going to love your podcast. Um, one of the things the watermelon sandwich is about, and that, I always ask my guests, you know, we'd already talked about health and well-being. Uh, we glimpsed about your personal life, but is there anything like a mentor in that has been in your impact, has made an impact in your life, um, you know, that has really made an impact in your life at all in any shape or form? Um, look, there's been, I've had a lot of mentors, I think when you look at it, it's, it's not so much in the traditional sense of having this person who's acting as kind of a life coach, but I think Jay Shetty says it really eloquently. And he says, you know, a person's in your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. 
and that's not really up for you to decide, but you can, you can dic- not dictate, but you can see who's in there for what reason and take the lessons that they have. So, you know, my, my partner has been a huge mentor to me and what she's taught me. A lot of my friends and other athletes have been a huge mentor to me. Podcast hosts have been a huge mentor to me. And a lot of the authors of the books I read, you know, all these information wells sum up and culminate into what I now, I guess, identify myself as and what I've learned and what my passions and values are. You know, your parents are in a lot of ways your mentors. So I, I can't say I have that one person or one thing but I have a culmination of my environment as a whole that I think has taught me lessons that I maybe don't even understand now that I'll be looking retrospectively and be like, wow, that lesson was amazing. And I didn't even see it. Yeah. And that's a good way of putting it. You know, uh, exactly what Jay said. Some, some in there for the day, sometimes they're for the season, you know, or for a lifetime, but, and then sometimes you don't realize till after like, Oh my goodness. Now I know why that, that moment happened in my life. You know, yeah, exactly. I totally agree. And, and obviously food plays a big part of your life. Um, love food. You know, yeah. You love food. Uh, and being a vegan, is it challenging to create uh, dishes? Is it challenging to come up with something new or. You know what, to be honest, I really thought it would be uh, like when I first adopted a more plant-based lifestyle, six years ago, if I walked into a supermarket, man, it's so different to what it is like now. Like Canada is an absolute wholesome place to go shopping and getting heaps of options. You guys, you know, nearby you'd have the, the, I think they're called the vegan butcher near you as well, which is a huge company that's now listed on the Canadian stock exchange, I believe. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I just, I thought it would be really difficult, but it just isn't. When we look at staple foods, I think what's important is just finding what you liked. For me, I was such a simple man and I'm not anymore, but I'd be like, I just want, but prior I'd be just eggs for breakfast, some sort of sandwich for lunch, and then maybe pasta for dinner. That's it. Yeah. Like pretty simple. Now, when I first adopted a plant-based diet, I just had buckwheat pancakes for breakfast, a sandwich for lunch and pasta for dinner. Like it wasn't too much of a change. Um, especially now when you look at the shops, it makes a very easy difference. And I think a lot of people overcomplicate it and I get it in a way that, you know, I remember looking back, you know, it wasn't that long ago, six years and you go to the shops and you don't really go to the aisles or I did in any way where there are a lot of the plant-based foods were, but I also did. Everyone's shopping for beans. Everyone's now, when you go to the, the meat section, you've got beyond Meat, like it's, not yeah. too much of a difference. Like this little meme, like instead of reaching here, just go like two centimeters to the right and you'll get something like a plant-based alternative. Um, I think it's just important to just stick to what you like. If you're someone who, you know, c- consumes meat quite heavily, which I guess I would probably classify myself as that person prior. Yeah. Um, I would just simply make the alternative. So if you like, I don't know what's what's bangers and mash, like just steak and potatoes, just go and get a beyond meat steak and have the potatoes and just, just make those small little substitutes. Um, it comes to sustainability as well. Like I think do what will, will help you and feel good in the long term. If you, you know, don't like tofu, 
don't eat tofu. My partner doesn't like tofu. I don't give her tofu. That's fine. She yeah. doesn't need that. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, there's an abundance of options. And when you look at the culmination of all these foods, it's, I don't know, I think, you know, very much in how you say it, it's, it's really simple. Like it's, it's so simple. Just, just instead of, I don't know, chicken, get plant-based chicken or beans or tempeh and try it. And I promise you, I promise you, you are not going to like everything you cook. hundred percent. Don't pin that down on vegan foods, crap, or plant-based food is crap. Like I promise you, you've also had plenty of meals where you've gone out and you've had an animal-based dish that wasn't great either. I yeah. think, you know, when you see like that vegan sticker or plant-based sticker, you think, oh, this is going to be shit. But yeah, I kind of think the same time, same, like I used to think that about gluten-free food. Like I used to think, oh, this is all garbage process. But sometimes you have gluten-free food. That's really nice. And yeah. I think a lot of people don't realize that vegetables vegan and fruit is vegan and bread is vegan. And a lot of pastries yeah. are vegan and a lot of chocolates and lollies are, I think, you know, the hardest part about it is just doing the research and knowing what to look for, like what ingredients and stuff. But even then you could probably do every bit of your research in an hour and your shopping becomes easier. That makes sense. You know, and, and that's the part I think, and I think the advantage we have today is research is at the tip of our fingertips. You know, we can just click our phone and we'll find so much research on anything really. And I think oh, you that's know what a- I'd actually say, actually what I really forgot. I, before you even start cooking vegan food, go out to a restaurant and just try vegan food. I remember when I, when I first went plant-based in my, my partner, she, when we started dating and living together, she wasn't plant-based. So but what we did was we just went out to places that offered vegan options and we just tried their food. And that gives you really good ideas on what you like and what you don't like. Because yeah. there's cafes that have invested thousands of dollars in terms of making the best recipes and having the best flavors. Like go there, try their food. That's how chefs nowadays get food ideas for regardless of diet. They get ideas from restaurants and from other people do the same thing. Like it's, it's the same process. Yeah. Go out to just- rest- like, yeah, try things out. And yeah, I totally agree. You know, and uh, you make good points with that you've, you know, and one thing we talk about health and wellness, and we went through that, you know, uh, really, Tom, we're at the end of our interview. And I just want to thank you uh, for sitting down with me. I'm glad that we uh, I can't believe you're all the way from Australia, which is kind of cool. And uh, so one of the things, uh, you know, the watermelon sandwich, we, it's about simplicity. Uh, Mm -hmm. simple mindset simple soul and uh, really a simple life Uh, when you think about your I guess your endeavors your journey your friendships your environment really your overall life like what simple advice can we take away from your experiences and that can help others in their own journeys in life Um, I would say something that's a little bit different to what we talked about today but you can relate it to every bit of part. I mean, we started on sustainability and making that choice and everything, but I think just adjacent to that is knowing your values and understanding what you truly appreciate in your life, what gives you the ultimate level of happiness, and then just make your choices relevant to your values because that just minimizes the amount of brain power you need to live your day. So you can focus on just being happy. So an example is if you value health and, and having a good diet and maybe, you know, a body that's nimble, 
when you ask yourself in the morning, you know, do I want to stretch? Mm, do I value my health more than I value my, I guess, what I want right now? Like, do I value the long-term health? And if your answer is yes, and you know that inherently because that's your value, you make that choice really easy. You can't, you can't do a Michael and get away with not stretching in the morning. You yeah, can't do that exactly. because yeah. that's your value. You can't go against your values. Same thing comes to having relationships. If you value trust and you feel like someone has broken that, you know that, hey, I might spend a bit less time with this person because I value myself and this trust thing. And that works for all your different parts. So I think sitting down, reading a book on values or just finding your values and just knowing that that part can relate to every part of your life, your diet, your health, your exercise, your relationships, your money, everything goes down to this. And I think that, you know, perfectly themed in the Watermelon Sandwich podcast is just simple, almost like a algorithm we can use for everyday life that -hmm. will bring you in my experience, the most amount of happiness for the least amount of effort. Yeah, that's perfect. I like that. I like the fact that you talk about, you know, knowing what you value and keeping that at the forefront of everything you do. And that will really help you, you know, directly direct you into where you want to be and really keep you happy. Because, you know, if you obviously if you're into taking care of your health, and that's what you value, then you will do certain things to make sure you do that. So that keeps you happy for your day and for your life. Love it. Well, thanks again, Tom. I appreciate it. And I hope we connect in the future soon. And uh, maybe when I come down to Australia again, I'm going to have to give you a call up. (laughs) Absolutely. Give me a call. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for you know, you and your audience for lending me their ears. And I hope everyone does have a great day. It's been an absolute pleasure and honor to have this conversation to E meet you. All right, cool. Thanks again, Tom. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Go.